Welcome to the Real Producers Partners Podcast. This podcast is done in conjunction with Real Producers St. Louis, Metro East, New Orleans, Baltimore, Chesapeake Bay, and West Valley, Arizona. It focuses on our top real estate performers and partners who support real estate and home services, their successes, stories, and challenges. Your host is Ken Tucker, Marketing Solution Architect at Changescape Web. The Real Producers Partners podcast is produced by Changescape Web. Hey everybody, this is Ken Tucker with Changescape Web. Welcome to this episode of the Real Producers Partners podcast. Today I'm joined by Catherine Fondren, who is the content coordinator and editor for all real producer publications. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Good, good to be here. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and how did you uh, get into the position that you're in now? I guess it's been about 10 years ago. I was doing some writing for a local publication for my neighborhood area. It was kind of a social newsletter for my neighborhood. Then I started my own publication and did that for a few years, a similar one. Then I met someone with Real Producers. Then I got introduced to uh, the St. Louis people and the New Orleans people. And so uh, I've been doing support work for the publications for about 10 years. My background is in advertising. It's weird. It's like for the first time, I'm finally using my degree. When I was 40 years old, I was a stay-at-home mom and I found myself as a single mom and I needed to kind of start over and reinvent myself in a career. So I went back to kind of the things again that I was prepared for when I was younger and just kind of got into the magazine business. So I've been doing this, like I said, for about 10 years now. Okay. Wow. So say New Orleans for me again. New Orleans. You <laughs> say it I know. I know. Yeah. It, I can't pronounce it that way. Yeah, yeah. So what all do you do for the publications then? And how many publications do you support? I support, I believe, 12 publications now. And I do a couple of what we call HOA publications, they're neighborhood magazines, okay. uh, but I mainly do real producers. I work in Dallas, St. Louis, New Orleans, and also in the Triangle area in North Carolina and Oklahoma City. What I do, the publisher will let me know kind of who we want to feature. Usually they tell me who the features are going to be in the publication, what realtors are kind of up and coming, or just really some rock star agents in the area highlight partners as well. And so they'll let me know. Now there's one market that I'm in that I kind of have to go out and find some of these people. um, And and that's Oklahoma. I am located in Oklahoma. So I'm able to do that. But basically they send me the features and then I'll reach out to the features and I'll coordinate the photo shoots and the interviews for the actual article. Then I'll kind of be the support person and kind of monitor them and be with them every step of the way until the end. And then at the end, I'll kind of put it all together with the photos and with the articles. And then I also edit uh, the publications as well on the front end, back end, just to make sure, again, everything's correct. And then everything's laid out nicely. There's certain photos that work better in certain places than others. And so that's pretty much what I do in a nutshell. Okay. That's a lot. It is a lot. So what do you like best about all of those things? The stories about the people 
I had my own publication, mainly was responsible for the business side and for uh, selling the ads for the publication and that kind of thing. But what I really loved was, was the stories and just the interesting relationships that, that can be fostered in some of these areas, things that people have in common that they may not know they have in common. And then they read the story in the magazine and say, oh, wait, I'm, I'm from here. I grew up here. Or I was widowed a few years ago as well. And so a lot of that relational stuff. I love hearing the stories of the real estate agents and a lot of them have really different stories. A lot of them weren't initially in real estate. It wasn't like that was their lifelong dream was to be an agent. It may be something that they kind of thought about, but then ultimately they may have been doing something completely different and then got into this industry in, in one way or another. And now they're just rocking it. And I love seeing that. I've seen so many people where real estate is just their niche, but they don't discover it until later in life. So that's yeah. what I love best about about what I do and, I, and just visually, I like the design. I like being able to design the, the articles in a way and, and just see it all come together at the end. So. Yeah, yeah. So you're working on 12 concurrent publications just for real producers doing all of that. I think out of those, I'm doing nine real producers. Okay. <laughs> doing all of that and, and different ones work, work different ways. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. Interesting. <laughs> what advice do you have to give somebody in terms of helping them with their story? I'm a StoryBrand certified guide. One of the things that I love about StoryBrand, and I don't know if you're familiar with StoryBrand or not, but a lot of people, when they talk about story, they wind up talking about themselves and their story. What I love about StoryBrand is it flips that on its head and it says, no, you're the guide. The hero of the story is your customer. Mm -hmm. And so it looks at it. The customer has a problem. They're looking for a guide who can help them achieve an outcome, a positive outcome and avoid a negative outcome. Mm -hmm. And that's how you kind of build the story for a brand using story brands, brand script approach. But in real estate, I don't know if, if many realtors think along those lines. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the first instinct for a lot of the agents that we feature is to tell about about what they do, to tell about how they help people and, and, and what makes things different. What I like to know and what I want to hear is their story, their background. To me, that's the most interesting thing. How did they start out? What were their influences growing up? What were their influences that led them to where they are today? Who are their mentors? That kind of thing. Because while we're telling these stories is we're inspiring. We're inspiring others. And the agent maybe who's just starting out or the agent who's kind of a, a rising star, which is kind of a, a monthly article that we feature, needs to know, well, how did this person do it? How did that person do it? And so we tell those stories, but that's what I, I kind of have to do do a little bit of writing. I'm not, I'm not the writer on most of the publications that I work with, but I tell my writers, I want to know the meat and of our partners as well, customer service. And I'm there for them when they need me. I want to hear about what makes you different. What makes you unique? There's a lot of real estate agents out there and of course their experience, their numbers speak for themselves, but I want to know what makes you different and why should, because I find that any given person knows at least, you know, three real estate agents just as friends or acquaintances but I want to know really the, the, the meat of the story. And I want you to tell me what drives you. So that's pretty much what I like to see. So what do you like to do in your free time? 
Or do you even have any free time? I really don't. <laughs> I don't have very much free time. I am heavily involved in competitive marching bands with hmm. my children. We had our first big competition over the weekend and they won. Yay. <laughs> they won it all, which was great. Um, I love uh, to work out. Uh, I enjoy uh, fitness. When I was living down in Louisiana, I loved to sport fish, but I don't get to do that very often. I love football. I have my own fantasy football league of all ladies, and I have a book club. So I try to keep keep busy low-key. Um, I used to play golf in another life, but four hours a day just sitting enough. <laughs> I don't have that free time. <laughs> uh, golf takes a lot of time. It's nice to get outside. They've been talking about trying to shorten some courses, creating executive courses where there are 12 holes and things like that. Yeah. And that, I think that might be a good idea. Yes. Yes. There are, I started out as a nine holer when my kids were small because I didn't have time. And so yeah. I really should get out and do some of that. The weather's been, been nice here. So golf is a great game, but you've got to work at it. You've got to do it pretty regularly. And like I said, my, in my old life, I was able to do that, but now nowadays I can't. Yeah. Definitely. How long have you been in the Tulsa area? So I've been in the Tulsa area about 15 years. We relocated here with the oil field. I was born and raised in South Louisiana. But it's interesting because my grandfather is actually from the Tulsa area. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of full circle for me. I don't have any family here now. I come from a town of uh, 14,000 people in South Louisiana near New Orleans, the New Orleans area. And I love it and I miss the culture and I miss the food and all that stuff. But there's really some, this is a good family place and there's really some great opportunities for my kids. I had a full scholarship to the University of Tulsa and turned it oh, down. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. yeah. It was to study petroleum engineering. I decided that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I stayed in Springfield, Missouri, where I grew up. So got okay. my undergraduate and graduate degrees there so missouri okay. state but well, uh, we love going to branson me and the kids go there a few times a year so yeah. we go through springfield go down yeah yeah i used to go to tulsa a lot i had uh, several of my best friends from high school all went went ahead and went down there so i i've made several trips down there okay beautiful city Yes, it is. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's progressive. We've got this new gathering place the next time you ever come down here. It's amazing. It's like a central park almost. It's a really city funded private donations, a foundation funded it. And it's just, it's public. It's amazing. It's like a, an amusement park, but it's free. Yeah. Nice. What marketing strategies do you think work best for many of the folks that you work with? Do you have any success stories or is there any advice that you could give our listeners to help them either tell a more compelling story or, or take advantage of any other marketing ideas that you've come across? Thinking outside the box is important. I deal with a lot of these real estate agents and I've used different real estate agents. And I think the difference between some of them is you're putting my house on the MLS, you're putting it in, in the paper or whatever print media you can, but but what else? What else are you doing? And, and I see some of these agents doing using social media. Obviously, social media is huge. If someone's not using it, they need to. There's lots of things that we do in Real Producers with that and with some of the other neighborhood magazines I do. So I would say that would be something just outside the box. Just little things, little uh, touches. If you can get in front of as many people as you can for networking events, social events, networking groups, I think those are really good things. I think, again, in the age of technology, it's important to be on that. But 
also, I think there's a, a need and maybe a longing, too, for some face-to-face -face interaction and, and, and to really communicate and kind of be human. I think niche marketing, I think marketing that's different is the key, whether it be some of these publications or more specialized things, social media, TikTok, Instagram, things like that. Social media has changed a lot over the last 18 months. It's stunning. I saw a study from Social Insiders that talked about this time compared to this time last year. Statistics, Instagram's organic reach has dropped 32%. Facebook is down to less than 5% of organic reach. Unless you have a real strategy behind what you're doing, social media is not really working the way it was. When you look at studies, TikTok is, has now surpassed the number one site that people go to, period. Uh, they've eclipsed Google. If you're younger than 35, you're probably more likely to use TikTok and Instagram than you are doing a Google search these right. days. These trends are, they're stunning to me. And then you can't rule out YouTube either because the power of video is ridiculous. And YouTube is still one of the most popular, if not the most popular platform out there. Right. It's not just slap a post on Facebook and think you're good. That's right. And, and there are people that I've, I've dealt with who just do that. They only handle the social media stuff. And I mean, that's a huge sector that people are getting into more and more. Just look at your kids. I look at my kids. They're 13 and 15. And you're right. Well, I saw on a TikTok that this is what you should do. I looked at the 10 most popular this on TikTok. That is what they do. So I look to them and, and hopefully they can teach me. And I think it's always important to be open and willing to learn, which I'm almost 50 now. The older you get, it's like some people are averse to learning new things and learning to do technology, but you really can't nowadays. You can't, you can't get away with not getting into it and jumping on that train. So speaking of education, that's kind of a good segue. A question I wanted to ask you is uh, what are you currently reading or and or is there a book that uh, has had a huge impact on you personally or professionally? I'm trying to think. I um, read a lot of fiction, <laughs> so not a whole lot of nonfiction books. Probably the most interesting read I had last year, I had never read the Bible all the way. Okay. And so there's this Bible in a Year podcast that's pretty popular. I got into podcasts during the pandemic. I had never listened to a podcast before. I got into that in some of the YouTube channels during COVID during the lockdown. And, and so just reading it through, of course, I'm Catholic. I grew up going to church, but we don't know our Bible, I will say, as, as much sometimes as, as some of the other Christian faiths. So, so I read that and I thought it was so interesting. They were just things I knew about, but never really knew about or understood. And so I was able to understand that. And then again, it's using those principles in your day-to-day -day life. And the book is 2000 years old, but yet it's still pertains today. Absolutely. What's the most interesting project you've worked on in the last six months? I've launched a new magazine. That's always interesting to do. I've launched a few before. I'm developing a website to use in my business. And then another project that I'm working on that I'm trying to get serious on, but as you know, I don't have a whole lot of time, is uh, writing something for myself. So I've been working, taking notes. I've got notebooks of stories, chapters, characters, and all that stuff. So I attended a writer's conference a few months ago, and that was my first one. So hopefully I might just publish something one day. Fiction or 
Yeah, fiction, totally fiction. I'm all about the escape. I've always preferred to read fiction. Right now, I'm a little frustrated because I love what I do. I just absorb this stuff. So most of my reading these days is all about trying to stay up to date with, hey, Yelp's doing this or Google's doing that or TikTok is now blah, blah, blah. And, but I've always loved fiction. I've never written fiction. I have written a couple of books, which is okay. which is nice. And anybody who's thinking about writing a book, I think it's an incredibly rewarding experience. I did the self-publication process through Amazon. And honestly, one of the easiest ways to get started, if you're, if you're thinking about writing a nonfiction book where it's information-based, is to just get an interview partner, write down a bunch of questions and just have them ask you those questions and use that as the raw transcript. Record it, transcribe it. And you do that for several hours and you've got a wealth of material that you can take and sift through and obviously it has to be seriously edited i find that a lot of people it's easier for them to talk than it is to sit down in front of a keyboard or pen and pencil and or pen and paper and start writing something and so uh, that's how i was able to do my books okay great i'm always looking for advice like i said the writers conference i attended a few months ago in oklahoma city was was amazing and and i just kind of was there really quiet listening and learning you know i would sit next to someone and he he would say everybody's like oh have you published a book have you have you published your book yet and this guy's like yeah i published 12 of them already really the publishing thing has just sort of opened it up for so many people and even if no one buys it i just want to be able to do that and just say this right. is mine this is my story it's out there so yeah for a lot of businesses, it's actually now kind of the new business card. Yeah. But yeah, fiction, that's interesting. So yeah. that would be, that would definitely be fun. For sure. Cool. So do you have any kind of an internal goal that you're trying to accomplish with that? I had the high hopes after the conference that I was going to get on a writing a schedule and I was going to get my calendar out and block off so many minutes a day. But to be quite honest, Ken, it feels like work. When I try to sit down and start writing for myself, it just feels like work because this yeah. is, I kind of work with copy all day and right. I do some writing also for work. And so I'm just like, gosh, I just want to, I might do that. Uh, have you seen the camp Nano NaNoWriMo? No. It's, it's a, national thing every summer they do it and i think they do it once or twice during the year but it's it's a community of people that get together and write and they write on a schedule and then they can share ideas they can hold each other accountable and so there are a lot of there are some pretty i can't think of them right now but some some bestsellers that have been published that way through this nano hmm. uh, camp thing so okay. i would like to hopefully do that that's kind of my main goal i have some goals with my business that i would like to um, support. Uh, I'm almost where I want to be with that. But I also want to have a balance, more of a work-life balance, because I do have two kids who, who are getting into some fun things in life and, and I want to be there for them. So definitely yeah. working on, on balance with my, my life and, and my work. Yeah, absolutely. What would be one thing that you would ask our watchers and listeners if they could help you out? Again, with your story, we're doing a story on them, be honest. Be very honest about your experience and who you are and where you come from and where you want to be, not what you think people might want to hear or might be the right thing to say. Again, honesty in these stories make the best stories. So that would help me out. Of course, responding to the writers when they're trying to schedule an interview in the photographers, because unfortunately that's something I have to deal with sometimes. 
we are on deadlines, so we want to make sure we meet all of our deadlines. I would say on your story, just be genuine. It's across that way, and that's a great thing to write about, is you. I've talked to several photographers lately, and I know a lot of people are really self-conscious when they're doing a photo shoot and things like that. So is there that same kind of parallel with people when they're thinking about being interviewed, do you think? Hmm. You mean like preparation? Well, just self-conscious. A lot of people aren't super comfortable talking about themselves or they don't think that people will care about some of their backstory and history and things like that. Do you find that? or yes, I find that a lot of people don't know what to say or think my life's very interesting. What I do, I love what I do. But I think if you get them excited, right. um, it just depends on the interviewer. Again, I don't do a whole lot of writing anymore. But when I do, I try to make it as fun as possible. This is low stress. Try to be relatable. This is, we of course, let our people review their story to fact check it and make sure that everything is in there that they want to say. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes we do have people that are reserved, but again, it's up to the writer to just kind of make them feel at ease. And if they don't want to print something, we won't print it. But again, making them feel comfortable and in, in the relevance of what that may be, kind of making them see, hey, I think that's a great story. You might want to include that because there may be a single mom who thought that it was too much, but then now she may realize, hey, this is something I can do on the side. And then eventually I can quit my day job and do real estate full time and fulfill the dreams for my family. So awesome. Well, thanks, Catherine. I enjoyed our conversation. I'm here. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please be sure and subscribe to the Real Producers Partners podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We'd love for you to review us wherever you get your podcasts. Visit rppp.rocks for more episodes and links to set up a free consultation with the host of this podcast. Thanks again and stay tuned.